0: know that it's possible to survive the boss from hell without quitting your job or selling your soul? Hi, my name is Ken Williams, and I'm a certified life coach and a master of connecting with people. I've had a lot of bad bosses, because who hasn't? And I'm the host of the Bad Boss Podcast, a podcast where we explore ways to improve relationships at work so that you can survive the boss from hell. So join me as we delve into the ins and outs of working with people that you never wanted to be friends with. If you're hoping to reduce your work stress and increase your job satisfaction when it seems impossible, this is the podcast for you. Get ready to discover the power of untoxic positivity and learn how to survive the boss from hell. And we're wrapping up the book this, uh, this episode. Uh, I think we'll just hit the last three chapters, eight, nine, and 10. I think that's, uh, I think that's the way we're going to go. So chapter eight, coping with constant change, embracing whiplash. The thing that is interesting about change in the workplace is it seems that every company thinks that they're unique in how much they change, in how much they have to change or adapt to whatever the situation is. I worked for a company years ago that, um, joked that their company initials, uh, represented how quickly change happened in the organization. Now I work for a different organization. They also um, seem to think that change is something that they are having to deal with, but (laughs) it almost uh, kind of with the assumption that nobody else is changing as much as we are. No, that's not how it is. Life is changing. Things are different today than they were Even a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, I can't (laughs) believe how many different things, I feel like I'm not that old, but I got a few years on me, how many different things are uh, in the world today than what I experienced growing up. So, get used to it. Change happens. Chapter 8. For some reason, we seem to have the impression that we are actually supposed to enjoy life. There's a belief among many people, at least the ones that I know, that we are somehow supposed to have joy in our lives, that ease, comfort, and a positive trend is somehow what should be expected. Maybe it's that line from the Declaration of Independence that has tricked us into thinking that we should somehow have an easy existence. I'm not arguing that we should not have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but I think sometimes we tend to forget that the unalienable right is the pursuit of happiness not the result of happiness. And this isn't a high school government class essay. I stopped writing those a long time ago. And I'm not really interested in proving my ignorance, but I do think that it's an important thing to hash out for a few more minutes. I was listening to a podcast a while back. David Nagel, and his last name if you want to find him, is N-E-A-G-L-E, hosts the Successful Mind podcast. It's absolutely worth a listen. He was talking about the way people approach their jobs. The quote he said, at least the way that I wrote it down, was, it's not your job's responsibility to make you happy. So my question is, who or what has the responsibility to make us happy? That's a question worthy of a lengthy discussion, and that's not really the purpose of this book. But I am going to tell you what I think. I don't know. But what I do know For a certainty is that it's not your job or your boss. And if that's the case, it also means it's not your boss's responsibility to make your job suck. I found that I can do that all by myself. In my own corporate experience, I have worked for several companies. Their names don't matter and the industries could be anything. One thing that I experienced that might surprise you, maybe not, was that almost all of them had at some level of corporate culture Some humor poking fun at how rapidly change takes place. In fact, one company I worked for had an acronym touting how quickly we could expect change. As I'm writing this, sitting in an economy-class airplane seat, probably over somewhere in Kansas, it's 2023. The things that I've seen transform the world over those years are astounding. I remember, for example, the first time I connected a computer to the internet. I remember the awe I felt when I made my first call from a cordless phone, not a cell phone, but a cordless phone. I mean, really, being able to talk to someone on the phone without the handset being connected to a wall via a curly cord was magical, and technology is changing at breakneck speed. But I don't have to tell you that, and if I do, we have other problems. In any case, my point is that everything is changing, and it's changing fast, so fast, that it is impossible to keep up. I learned an important lesson not that long ago, a podcast. Yes, another one. I listen to a lot of podcasts, not a lot of podcasts. I don't have time for that, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. They can be pretty insightful. You should listen to mine if you haven't, (laughs) which you are, by the way. It's called the Bad Boss Podcast. At least I'm having a little bit of fun with it. Anyways, I feel like I got a a little sidetracked. Where was I? Oh, yes. The lesson I learned on the podcast was if you argue with reality, you're going to lose, but just every single time. Reality, you know, what people are referring to when they say it is what it is, is what's going on around us. It's the constant flood of changes in everything, media, technology, the food pyramid, even our jobs, and it's not going to slow down. Frankly, it can't slow down. Businesses have to change or they will die. Remember Blockbuster Video? No? Well, that's exactly my point. A little company called Netflix started mailing DVDs to people. Movies came to you. You don't have to go to get them. Blockbuster didn't change their model fast enough. So as of right now, according to an article that I think I read a while back, there's exactly one Blockbuster Video Store left in the world. Google it. I'm probably right. My point is that change is going to happen. Jobs will change. The players in the jobs will change. Your boss will change. The industry will change. Your relationships will change. My best advice is to stop resisting the change. Accept it. It doesn't matter how much you like it or hate it. Your opinion isn't going to stop anything from becoming different. So how do you embrace the whiplash of constant change? I don't know what will work for you, so I'll share what has worked for me. Number one, hate the change. Complain to your husband or wife, your coworker, your boss, friend, mother, father, child, or anybody else, including the grocery store cashier, about how stupid the change is. Let them all know that no one asked you about how to make the change a better change, and now you have to deal with a worse change. Step two, hate how your life is different with the change. Now, to be honest, the less time you spend here, the better. Number three, Open your mind to the possibility that the changed policy, management style, pricing, or whatever might actually not be the worst thing that you've ever experienced in your life. Number four, accept that this is the new normal. Number five, completely forget how the old way was and realize that you have completely adopted the change. Now, there are some steps in there that probably I didn't include, but that's basically what has to happen. It's a mourning process. There's the grief and the denial and all that. Finally, you get to acceptance. Now to be fair, I am not always good at this. Sometimes the process can go pretty quickly. Sometimes it takes a while, but the whole process is important. Grieve the old. That's okay. And probably healthy. At least that's what I imagine my therapist friend would say if I actually asked her. And I'm pretty sure I'm writing on this one. Change has to happen don't blame the boss, even if the boss is the one who came up with the bright idea to do things differently. And of course, not all change is positive or productive. Some changes need to be unchanged or rechanged. Step up and be part of that process. Share your wisdom and insight. Make sure the decision makers are aware of how their decisions impact aspects of the operation that they certainly didn't consider when they considered making changes. But in any case, in any case, when changes change is out of your control and it happens, accept it because anything else is going to make life more miserable more miserable than is necessary. And hopefully you won't blame everything on the boss from hell. Chapter 9. Dealing with unrealistic expectations when your boss thinks you have superpowers. I'm sure that nobody has ever had an experience with this, except for maybe me occasionally. Chapter nine. You have something that you don't realize that you have. And once I uncover it for you, you will be simultaneously relieved and a little bit confused. You have an instruction manual for your boss. Maybe you have wished that you had an instruction manual so that you could figure out what they want or what makes them tick. That's not the kind of instruction manual you have. No, no, You have the one that tells you what your boss should want or what should make them tick. We all have manuals for everyone in every relationship we have. A book, it doesn't really exist in print form, if you were wondering about that. A book that we imagine exists that outlines how other people should behave, what they should say or do in a situation. When we become frustrated with another person, and this is boss, this is coworker, this is family member, this is anybody. When we become frustrated with another person, it's because they aren't following the manual that we have for that person. Let me give you a few non-work examples. My 16-year-old son has the regular task of taking the trash can out to the street. This should happen every Sunday because trash day is Monday. He has heard this about a million times from me, from my wife, and from me again. I can't imagine... A world that exists where he doesn't understand this is his weekly duty. Yet, every Sunday night, we have to remind him that the trash needs to go out. And every Sunday night, he resists. And every Sunday night, I, or my wife, or both of us, get frustrated because this scenario has played out again. My instruction manual for my son says that he should notice that the calendar indicates that the day is Sunday and that it is dark outside, indicating evening. He should also, also notice that the trash can hasn't yet been taken to the street, so he should happily and proactively make the 50-foot trek from the garage to the street. Guess what? He hasn't read my manual. So irregardless, and yes, I use that word as a tribute to my mother-in-law, and I stand by it. Irregardless of how many times I remind him or of how frustrated I get or how loudly I ask, he still hasn't read my manual for him. And even if he had, it doesn't mean he's going to follow my manual for him. Remember, we can't control other people's actions. And as much as we think we should be able to, it just doesn't work that way. The other crazy thing, I've never told him what my manual says about him. Somehow I imagine he should just know what my expectations are. If you have a boss who thinks you're a superhero and therefore has unrealistic expectations of you, I can pretty safely assume that you haven't had that conversation. I've coached a lot of people with manuals that aren't being followed by the people in their lives. And not once have I coached someone who had talked to the person about those expectations. So we make a lot of assumptions. I get it. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable. Unfortunately, that awkwardness and discomfort is the currency you must pay to have a better relationship. We're talking bosses, but we're also talking every other relationship, peers, subordinates, spouse, children, parents, in-laws, friends, all of them. The simple thing is to consider how or the simple thing to complain about is to complain about. Let me say that again. The simple thing is to complain about how the other person is unreasonable or how they have unrealistic expectations. The best thing, however, is to have a conversation. If the boss has unrealistic expectations of you, do they know it? If they did, what might change? What's the worst case that might happen? More work? Maybe, but probably not. Help? Maybe. That wouldn't be all that awful, would it? A release from some of the demands, maybe. Also, <laughs> wouldn't be too bad. No change, so you're in the same boat you're already in. Spend a few minutes to discover why you, what you have on your boss's manual. What are you expecting? What do you need from him or her? Communicate that. Then, at the same time, ask them what's on their manual for you. You might ask questions like, Help me understand what you are hoping that I'll accomplish. What are your expectations for this project? How much time should I anticipate spending on this? If I can't meet your deadline or other expectations, how would you like me to proceed? Of course, that is not an all-inclusive list. An open dialogue might be the starting point for better understanding. You understanding the boss can't be all that bad. And the boss better understanding you, your skill set, your competencies, and your interests can't hurt too much either. And maybe, just maybe, you'll have a better chance of working with and not just for the boss from hell. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. This is it. Let's wrap it up. Let's talk about boundaries. Boss or BFF. The boss should not be your bestie. That gets dangerous if the boss is your bestie and sometimes bosses want to be besties. So let's talk about it. Boundaries are easily misunderstood. They're catching a lot of attention these days, and I think that they're critical for surviving almost any relationship. Unfortunately, for many of us, we assume that having boundaries is a quote ethical way to control people's behavior. I have a boundary that you won't ask me to do anything I don't want to do. Nope, that is not how it works. We don't have the option or the ability to control other people. Heck, we have enough trouble trying to control ourselves. Think of a boundary as the front door to your house. It's just there minding its own business. In fact, most of the world doesn't even know where it is or even that it exists, though they probably assume that at least in theory it exists. The purpose of having a front door isn't for everyone to know that you have a front door or even where your front door is. The real purpose is to protect you. Your front door protects you from animals, from weather, and from intruders. If you don't share the key, it can protect you from your in-laws as well. But that's another book. When a person comes to your house, the door keeps the curiosity seeker from wandering through your kitchen and rifling through your junk drawer. After all, it's none of their business how many pairs of scissors you have to keep in there because your kids keep taking them and never putting them back away where they belong. And when you need them, you can't find them. And you go and buy another scissor. And then when you tidy up the house, you find 11 scissors. And then you put them all back in the junk drawer because that's where they belong. And you yell at your kids that it's okay that they borrow the scissors. Just put them back in the junk drawer when you're done with them. So I don't have to spend my entire paycheck replacing scissors that you have hidden in your room. That is not based on real events. The Boundary. Let's the world know that behind this door is a safe space and you are only allowed if you are invited. So there you go. That's your boundary. It's something you decide to protect you. It is not something that you decide to protect or change or fix someone else. So let's talk about a couple scenarios. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but for the last couple of years, we've had a global pandemic. At the risk of losing some of you because you think I'm going to make this political, I am not. I'm just going to share a few things that I observed. I know an older couple who are very concerned with their health. Both cancer survivors. Both old enough to be classified as high risk. They were concerned about exposure to the virus. So they established a boundary that no one who does not live in their house is allowed to enter their home but what about me? I'm a decent guy. I wash my hands at least twice a day. I brush my teeth and I shower almost weekly, but I don't live there. You're saying I can't come in and have a chat with my family? That's exactly what I'm saying. To be clear, their boundary wasn't that I couldn't visit. I did visit many times. I just stood outside their home and talked to them through the window that was cracked enough that they could hear us and we could hear them. The boundary wasn't there to control my behavior. It was there to protect them. They kept their front door closed to people who didn't live there, including me. Now let's consider another pandemic story, also based on real events that I heard about somewhere on the internet. Suppose you have a school that requires students to wear masks and you personally don't think the mask mandate is right or valid or necessary or whatever else. Can you set a boundary that your kids don't have to wear masks? Careful, this can get tricky. You can have a personal rule that you don't wear masks, cool on you, but you don't get to, quote, enforce your boundary by requiring the school or the store or the workplace to let you roam around unmasked. See how that works? The older couple set a boundary that no one gets to enter their home unless it is their own address. The school gets to set a boundary that no student, student gets to come into the classroom without a mask. You don't, however, get to set a boundary that the school has to allow little Penelope to play with her friends. Does that make sense? Your boundary protects you. If you do this to me, I will do this to protect myself. Your boundary cannot attempt to control someone else. I'm worth $40 million, so you will pay me my requested wage. See the difference? Now let's talk bosses. It is absolutely appropriate to have boundaries at work but don't confuse a boss trying to get the job done with crossing your boundaries. Have you ever tried to write a job description? It's crazy hard. Don't believe me? Try to summarize your current job in a couple of paragraphs. Don't forget to include every possible thing that you might ever be asked to do ever in the course of your employment. It's not really possible, which means that you might be asked to do things that aren't specifically documented as a part of your job. Just like the Ten Commandments don't really cover every possible sin, just the big ones. So when the boss from hell asks you to do something, it's important to understand whether it's part of the job or not. If it's not, please have a boundary. If it is, you should just understand it's part of the job. Jobs aren't supposed to be fun all the time. Sometimes there are sucky parts that no one likes. I'm sorry to break that to you. A lot of times boundaries have to do with treatment, Suppose your, bo- suppose your boss calls you shorty. It's totally fine to, not, fine to not like that. So your boundary might look like, if you call me shorty, I will not respond. My name is Denise Jr. Profanity might ignite another boundary. Washing his car or picking up her dry, cl- dry cleaning, unless you're a personal assistant, might invoke boundaries. Another cool thing about boundaries is that you don't necessarily have to tell the person that they are approaching or even have crossed a boundary. Remove yourself from the situation. Simply, quietly, in some cases it may be important to notify the person that they're approaching or crossed a boundary. And expect some resistance. People don't like finding out that they've crossed a boundary. It's a little bit embarrassing and maybe a little bit insulting. They might become upset. Remember, they're upset with the boundary. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the boundary or with you. What about when the boss wants to be besties? I have been invited to socialize with my team members. I have a boundary that I do not do that. And I can't imagine anyone wanting to spend more time with me than is absolutely necessary, to be fair. I've been invited to socialize with former bosses. Sometimes I go, sometimes I don't. When I go, I go on purpose. I go because I want to. When I don't go, I don't explain or justify. I just politely decline. Sometimes it will be necessary to explain your boundaries, but not always. Just notice that they're there. Make sure you're clear on what they are and why you have them. Remember that they protect you. They do not control others. And protect yourself from the boss from hell. There we go. That's the book, Surviving the Boss from Hell. Next week, we will get into other things. If there is anything you struggle with, especially if you're on my team, (laughs) if you're one of my employees and you want to talk about your own boss from hell, let's talk. If you want to uh, talk about something that uh, you're stuck with, reach out to me. I'd love to have some thoughts. I want to take this in the direction that will help you. Ken at kenwilliamscoaching.com. There should be a link in the show notes. If you want to get on my schedule and find out if, if working together would be beneficial, if it's something that would help you survive the boss from hell, reach out to me. I've got a link to my schedule in the show notes. Set something up and we'll chat. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bad Boss Podcast. We hope you found it helpful and inspiring. Remember that relationships are a work in progress and making mistakes is normal. And if you want to have a better experience with your own bad boss, I'd love to chat reach out to me at Ken at KenWilliamsCoaching.com or check out the link in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with others who might benefit. And until next time, don't forget to spread untoxic positivity everywhere.